When you're hiring salespeople, the first thing to avoid is letting anyone who says, hey, baby gal, become one of your applicants. Yeah, believe it or not, someone who applied to become a salesperson at Impact School sent an email to Noor starting with, hey, baby gal. So in this episode here today of Impact School Podcast, we're going to talk about the multiple stage process that we use to hire amazing commission-only salespeople who close deals on behalf of your company. Because at our team, we close 318K in new cash into the business with just two people. And that's what can happen when you have a great sales team. So hello and welcome to Impact Schools podcast. My name is Lauren Tickner, CEO of Impact School. I'm joined with Norbert Raj, who is the COO of Impact School. So Nor, how many salespeople actually did you take how many people applied for the sales role job application that we put out in like a two-day period so we had over I want to say over 65 applicants who um applied to the job ad that we had put out I believe on LinkedIn and also um email Mm -hmm. mistaken um so that was 65 people in two days So you can go ahead over to Impact School on LinkedIn, and then you'll be able to see that job listing to see how we posted that all up right there. And to note, this is a commission-only job, right? So these are salespeople who are actively looking for a role where they can make commission. And so a lot of people think if they're going to hire salespeople, it's going to be such an expensive thing. And yes, it can be expensive if you don't have the right training, because they might not close deals that otherwise would have been closed. But when you train them properly, And when you make sure that they have the right scripts and the right SOPs and the right frameworks to use so they don't need to be robotic and yeah, follow like a step-by-step script. When I say script, I kind of mean like check boxes of points to actually tick off the the list so that then you know that there's someone, so that you know that the salesperson can actually close the prospect. But anyways, I digress. So let's get into the multiple different stages of hiring salespeople. And by the way, If you're someone who's looking to grow your team, you've got maybe too many leads or not enough leads and you're looking to build a team, you're looking to scale, to systematize, to acquire more clients and to retain your clients and serve them without you as the founder needing to be stuck in the day-to-day or to build a better culture for your team and bring the right people onto your team. That's exactly what we help with at Impact School. And we actually guarantee every single result for our clients. So if you come in, we guarantee that you're going to get the outcome that you signed up for. So if you just send a message to the Impact School Instagram, which is just impact underscore school, saying that you came from this podcast episode, then someone from my team will be able to get back to you to let you know which of our programs is going to be able to help you. Because we have a couple of different options depending on where your revenue is at right now. So don't be afraid to reach out. Everything's guaranteed. So no risk on your end. So with that said, second step, no. So after we put out the job listing, what were you then, when all these people were applying, what were you actually looking for in their application so that then you could filter out the people that didn't seem like a good fit? Um, so kind of initial application, um, I look for a couple of things. First of all, we were very clear that we were looking for um, experienced salespeople. So do they have experience? Um, and I think on LinkedIn, there's a filter so you can actually require people to have a certain um, certain amount of experience in terms of years. So I, I added that into um, the application on LinkedIn, which would allow kind of an automatic filter to be applied. So like I wouldn't receive 
app so there were more than 65 applications but i wouldn't i wouldn't receive applications of people who didn't have that kind of baseline level of experience and then smaller things like have they tailored their motivational letter or cover letter to us and the company or is it just a generic this sounds so like simple but you would actually be surprised how many people particularly on LinkedIn because it's so easy it's just like a button you can click apply and then you have the option to like modify but you can just apply with any sort of generic letter I had some one who applied for a sales position with a marketing motivational letter. They were like, yeah, digital marketing, blah, blah, blah. I was like, this is the wrong role for you, chap. Next. Um, so things like that, like attention to detail, it's something that is, is very, very important to us as a company. Like we take pride in everything that we do. And if your attention to detail is poor, probably not going to do well here. Um, attention to detail is important. Have they um, addressed me or Lauren? with our names. So I had someone who emailed going, hey, Laura told me to reach out to you. And I was like, I don't know who Laura is. Um, I know Lauren, but that's not who you're talking about. So it's just things like that as well. Like if you can't even do that right, I'm not going to entertain you. Um, attention to especially details. Sales, especially on sales. Because like if you've read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, you'll know that people value their name above so, so many different things. And so when you refer to someone as their name, well, that's great. But if you call them the wrong thing, if they're doing that at this stage, then what on earth are they going to call your prospects? So when someone applies for a role, emailing Noor, saying baby gal, how on earth could we put this man anywhere near our prospects? Because if mm -hmm. then they start reaching out to prospects, saying that, that is totally inappropriate, right? That's not cool. And that's not what we want our company to be representing. So I think at this stage, this is when knowing your values is really, really important because you can filter people out based upon that. And obviously, if you want us to go into more depth about this part specifically, listen to the episode whereby we talk about how to hire A players. It's just from a couple episodes ago. So not after this stage for salespeople specifically what did you do next so people right now have they've applied on linkedin or whether wherever they had applied they've sent over their cv their cover letter you've scanned through that then you've sent them like a more detailed application to fill out what yeah. exactly were you asking them to tell you in that application form specific to salespeople? right so uh next is extend not an extensive but like more thorough um, application form where I ask them um, various questions. So um, three month income goal, six month income goal. I think I had a year as well income goal there. Um, biggest deal that they've ever closed, what that entailed, what was the offer um, and how that was done as well. So like, how, how did you go about doing that? Was that on the phone? Was it door to door sales? Was it dms like tell me a little bit more about that um why impact school as well and this was really interesting because a lot of we get a lot of like fans who want to apply and that always puts me off a little bit and i think this is another reason why almost particularly with sales because that's that's very heavily lauren's area they will always speak to Lauren at the end of this interview, at the end of the hiring process, because, and we didn't say, I didn't say this um, in our episode about hiring, but I'll say it now because I think it's really important. People, if they're, if they're like a fan girl or a fan guy, 
and they act differently in front of Lauren. I've had maybe three different interactions with this person to, before they get to Lauren, right? So like, I know if when they speak to her, they're being genuine or they're putting on this front of like, oh my God, it's Lauren Tickner, I know. Um, and that puts me off. And then I can articulate that to her. I can, you know, when we kind of recap at the end of that process, I can be like, well, this person was very different on the phone with you. Like that's kind of a red flag. Um, but anyway, so why impact school is, is an important question. Um, it's a question that if they answer it fully and they elaborate, which is what I want them to do at this point, their values, whether they know our values, are they able to kind of tie them in together? Like that's kind of what we're looking for at that, at that stage. So I will have a read through those applications. Um, and then based off of the information that I've been given, um, I will then make a decision whether or not to invite them to interview. Another question that I asked that I didn't mention before is um, about their previous experience and current experience. So like, what have you done for work historically? Are you currently working right now? And then in the future, is having your own business something that you want? Um, because it's the nature of what we do we get a lot of people who kind of want to pop in to see what's happening and then pop back out and then take what they've learned and then apply that to their own company or company that they have an interest in, et cetera, which obviously is not something that, that's something that's important for me to filter early on because it's a waste of our resources, to be frank. Like, and it's a violation of IP, right? So they can get themselves in trouble too if they do that. Right. Um, and obviously, like, we invest heavily in, like, support coaching training of everyone at Impact School, but particularly the sales team, because they are first point of contact with our audience, people who are interested in coming to work with us. So they are, the way that they represent the company is, is very, very, very important. So those are kind of the, like, red flags that I look for early on. If they're like, yeah, I have this company and it's going great and I just want to come and spend some time with you, I'm like, no. <laughs> like listen to our podcast you know like yeah. you're not coming to work for us yeah um, join school. that's right and I was going to say as well what is really important regarding this application form when hiring for salespeople, asking them how much money they want to make is important because if they just want to make a couple grand a month that's mm -hmm. not cool because you want your salespeople to be making a lot of money because if they're making a lot of money and it's a permission only role then it means that your company is making a lot of money and if as well, you're selling a deal that's 20K, 30K, 100K, and the most they've ever sold is 200 bucks, then they're gonna be really fearful when it comes to having these conversations because potentially there's money mindset blocks there, which is just gonna mean that they're potentially gonna butcher sales. So what Noor did when she was asking like, what's the biggest deal you've done was really, really smart. Because if you're selling high ticket, then it needs to be something high. And then if they've sold like enterprise level software only, for like 20 million this was like our client raj he had this issue he'd only been his, his team had only been selling like tens of millions of dollar deals and so when it came to selling a package for at the time it was 5k they really really struggled so then what we did is we helped him restructure his sales team all the scripting all the sops all the management now they're selling 90k deals multiple times per week without him but that came with a lot of reformulation of his entire sales team. So that's cool. So that's the application form. Northern basically goes through that. 
And then after that application form, how many people got to this stage now on our recent uh, stint of hiring for sales? Uh, I want to say maybe about four, about 40 people, I would say, um, got through to like the longer application um, form. And then I only took forward about 30, yeah, about 30 people from there. So like, as you can see, the, the filters help in that, like that's 10 extra people that I don't have to speak to. So that's like, in terms of how much time that would have taken me to speak to those people on the phone, that's a lot of time. So um, the filter, the application form as a filter is fantastic because it allows us to go from 60 to 30. <laughs> so 30, 40, like cut that down, right down. Um, and that's a really, really efficient way to do it. It doesn't take me very long to, I read very, very fast. So I can skim through like large volumes of text very, very quickly. And I have a system whereby like I X the people that are a no, and then I check the people that are a yes. And then those people, I will send calendar links to book in um, to speak to me as an initial 15 minute, 20 minute interview. So what's interesting is that because your vetting process on the front end when they first send their CV and motivational letter is so strong. Then when you send the application form, yeah, you get rid of 10, but like that's not actually that many. You're only getting rid of a quarter. So if there's 40, you get rid of 10, you've got rid of a quarter of them. Like that's not actually that many. Because I know in the past, if we'd have done this without having the proper, proper clarity on the front end of exactly what we want and what we need, then we would have ended up speaking to a bunch of people who were total crap <laughs> and this is because we didn't have much direction so it all starts with knowing exactly what does the company need and then making a job description specific to that and then going through that first process and being really savage savage in that first round of cvs that comes in you didn't even accept people coming near you who didn't have enough years of experience in sales right that's so that that's one key highlight that i heard there that some people may not have taken note of but that's gonna get rid of probably like 95% of people that even ever were gonna try to apply. So and I would say like you, when you have processes like this, the key is like to be looking constantly to refine them. So I spoke to, off the top of my head, I spoke to two people on the phone that would know, I would no way hire. Like it's just for various reasons. And in my head, when I spoke, when I, when I spoke to these people and they were, I was asking them questions. They were talking to me. I was like, how can I change this process so I don't have to speak to these people in the future? Like what, what was missing from my initial two filters that allowed this person to like sleep, seep through the cracks? Um, and I went back and I tweaked it. So I was like, okay, like this person after revamping this criteria would not have come through. Um, so that next time and for our clients as well, it's more efficient that way. So these systems can always be improved and like as you do this more and more you learn as well like oh I really don't want that or like this is actually really really important like years ago we were hiring um people who we could mold and train into fantastic salespeople. we don't have the time to do that anymore like we want people who are a players and you can take our systems and who can be team players and come to huddles every day 
um, and can run with it and can close. Like that's what we're looking for now. But like a year ago, we were looking for something very different. So like you're constantly refining like what the, the criteria for like this person has to meet this in order to like come and speak to me and come and work for us. I love that. And I think this is what's really cool about everything that we do at Impact School. It's like everyone, our, our team is all about that. Our coaches who work with our clients, every leader, even some of our assistants that support our main team, like on our ops score, they're always refining things. And I think that's really, really, really powerful. And to your point, um, I think it's interesting as well, because what we're sharing with you guys here, listening to Impact School podcast now is after we've tried everything. We've hired outsourced sales teams. We've hired virtual assistants to try and do this. We've hired people who are going to set the call and then a totally different team who are then closing deals. Like we've done so, so much. And we found that this is by far the most powerful thing because then when you're running the sales team, right, everything is aligned and salespeople are then able to have progression and they're coming in on the front end with an expectation of like what they're actually going to be doing and where their career can go. And so if I could go back, and change anything is that I would have done this and I would have focused on this from the very beginning and never even considered outsourcing sales. I would say that outsourcing sales was the worst mistake I have ever made in business. And also on top of that, um, because think about it, this is money coming into your company, right? Like this is the engine and the lifeblood of your business. And I was listening to a great podcast with, I believe it was from the guys from Y Combinator or from Anderson Horowitz, which are basically VC funds, right? And so they invest in companies which then end up becoming the unicorn companies that are worth billions and billions. And the one thing that they said is that they would never invest in a business if they didn't own the sales function. And that just goes to show you how important this is, right? These guys are taking bets on companies at the very early stages. And if they're saying that about a company that isn't yet even revenue producing, can you see how important the sales function of your business is? Like this is the area where as the founder and CEO, you should be investing so heavily into this to ensure that you're bringing the right people on your team, you're training them and that they're actually producing money for you. Because if you as the founder are the one that's driving all of the sales, then what happens if you get hit by a bus? Ask yourself that, right? What's the company going to be? So this is something that you need to take very, very seriously. So after this first interview, um, I know you did quite a lot of them more. So what were you talking about for like 10 or 15 minutes with some of these people? Because I know you voice noted me a little bit, like saying, I had some great conversations. And then I didn't really hear much else because obviously I don't really need to be involved at this stage because we're still at the filtering point here. But what are you talking about and how does this typically go? So um, these conversations are, in terms of what I ask, they're very, I think I have like three or four questions that I go through. However, there are various things that I look for in terms of response. Are they articulate um, and, and outside of the actual questions part of the interview? So like, do they show up on time? This is important. Like if for some reason this person, um, needs to get on the call, needs to get on a call with a prospect. And they're like, yeah, I'm gonna buzz you at 11, right? And it's 11.03 and the prospect is there waiting. And this person rocks up at 11.03, like, oh yeah, I'm here. It's like, I don't want the company being represented that way. So like, if you can't be on time for an interview with me, you're not getting the job essentially, unless you, it's not even unless, I was gonna say like, unless like, you know, for some reason there's a storm and your internet's wonky, but you, 
know that beforehand. The storm doesn't hit at 11, you know? It, you'll know beforehand and you can email saying, hey, by the way, connection's going to be shit. Can we reschedule? I'll be like, yeah, of course we can reschedule. This is fine. If someone shows up, like if the interview's at 11 and they show up and it's 11.01, right? Like yeah. what do you do? Do you still take the call with them or do you just get off the link? So... I'm quite, I've been quite savage in this process, which I think is a good thing. Like, I think we're in a position now where we can afford to be savage. Like if you are, um, if you don't have a massive team, if you haven't been doing this for very long, then like you may not be able to be as savage at the start as we are now, but like people want to come and work here. And the volume of people that want to come work here is extensive. If you cannot be one of the, the best people and like, if you can't show up on time, like, we don't want you here, essentially. So I had someone who, I was on that link um, 11, at, at, like let's say 11, I can't remember the exact time, but I was, at, I was at the link, I was on the link at 11, 11.01 person isn't here. And I was livid. I was like, and this stuff really, you know how I am with time, like this stuff pisses me off. So I was like, in my head, I'm like, I don't care if this is the best salesperson in the world, they're not, they're not getting a job here. Like, it's just a no. 11.03, I'm like, I'm just going to stay on the link to see when this person shows up. 11.03, this person shows up. I end the meeting and I sent an email saying, um, dear like person, uh, I had you booked in at 11. Um, we, you know, like being on time is something that is important at Impact School. If you can't be on time, then like it's not going to work. And that's it. They didn't reply. So the fact that they didn't reply, I'm like, this is it was a waste of, and it was a waste of my time. And it was three minutes, but I was pissed that that person had wasted three minutes of my time. Totally, but you should be, right? Especially when they're trying to get something from us, which is a job right. that would totally change their life. So I think what you did was the right thing. I wouldn't have even stayed. I would have, if they weren't there on the hour, I would have waited until probably two minutes past, just because sometimes, you know, clocks are different or whatever. I would have maybe been flexible to that. After two minutes, I would have been done. Yeah, I'm out like, there. In my head, I'm like, if you have an interview at 11 and you are not in that waiting room at 10.55, you're already like, in my head, like you're floating on thin ice. That's true. You know? I'm like, I'm there at like, I'm usually there five minutes before. I don't let them in. If I, I'm like usually like doing stuff in the background, like working, speaking to people, et cetera let them in at 11 and then I'm, I'm there. Like I'm, I start and then I finish on time, you're good. But like 11.01, I'm like, I'm already pissed off. And like, I've, I have a negative impression of you, which is not what you want when you're trying to impress someone to get a job. Yeah. So those are some of the things that I look for in terms of questions. It's very similar to what I ask on the application form, but I want to see it in action, if that makes sense. So like, I asked them, um, the, one of the big questions that I ask is why impact school over other companies? Like, why do you wanna come and work here? And there are a few things that I look for inside of that question. Like, are they passionate about us? Are they passionate about what we do? Do they know our product? Um, is it that they are fangirls of Lauren and they have their own business and they wanna track like it? Cause we have, we do get some of those people. Um, is it something deeper? Like, and a lot of them have really meaningful stories to share. And I, again, like the space to articulate that, um, how they communicate with me. You know, there are certain buzzwords that I look for, like, and I have, and I'm building a, um, 
I'm building a spreadsheet to like rank interviewers with numbers so that <laughs> so that we can compare scores, but buzzwords get certain points. So like freedom, integrity, accountability, like there are certain words that if they say those words, I, I note those words down and I'm like, okay, this person like understands what we're about, you know? And more so than that, because another question that I ask is if you were to select two values that are integral to who you are, how you view the world, how you operate, um, what would they be and why? And this is why it's so important to speak to people because you can tell, like I'm passionate right now, I'm moving my hands, I'm like animated when I'm talking. You can tell when someone is passionate and they're being genuine and when someone is reciting things because that's what they think you want to hear. So yesterday, this morning, yesterday, yes, Yes, yesterday I was speaking to someone on an interview and I was like, what are two values that are important to you and why? And they went freedom and fulfillment. And I was like, okay, what, like, can you, can you share more about why, you know? And it was like a variation of like what you've said in the past. And I was like, this is not impressive. Like, this is like, you're showing me that you can't think for yourself, that you are a copy and paste person. That's not what we want in a salesperson. So like X, <laughs> you know? Um, so those are, I think the two big questions I asked about their sales experience, you know, walk me through that. What, um, you know, what sort of offers were you closing? What did deal size look like, et cetera. And it's mainly that point of that point of that initial interview is like, are we aligned? Are we aligned in values, in mission, in how we view sales? Like, do you see this as a privilege to put the right product into the hands of someone who has an issue, who needs a solution? Do you see that as a privilege to take that solution and hand it to them? Like, is that how you view it? Or are you really money hungry and you don't care about people? You know, cause like, that's not what we want either. Um, so there are various things that I look for, but essentially objective is, are they a good fit for us? Are we a good fit for them? Are we aligned? If yes, they'll get bumped to the next stage. If no, then it's ciao. That's really powerful because it also shows, are they honest in what they said in their application form? Because mm. if they can't remember what they said, then oh, yeah. it'll be a totally wrong story there, right? So it's like, the easiest way to live is to live without lying because then you can just honor your truth and just be yourself whereas if you lie in the beginning then you have to try and remember and then you'll get all flustered and stressed so that's interesting have you but seen I that? had I had someone who asked me what they had put in that application form wow Wow. And I have like, I have, again, I have a system, like I have their application form attached, like I'm staring at the information and I have notes of this person when I'm speaking to them. And this person said to me something along the lines of like, yeah. And like, what was that thing that I said in the application form? And I was like, if you don't know, I can't help you. <laughs> no, that is not good. And when it comes to, cause I know something I always feel bad about, and as, as well, this is one of the reasons why I probably, you know, it's good that you take care of this side of things than me. Like, I always feel really bad if I don't give someone the job, you know? Like, I feel just kind of guilty because normally they're really excited. Like, if they're DMing me, right. and like, yeah, apply for the job. And then they, you know, message me again. Like, that's why in your bounce back email, when someone does apply or they email you, you know, it says, hey, 
Like don't message Lauren, like you're, I'm your point of contact. So my question is with the people that don't get the job, what do you actually tell them? Um, so typically again, like I think this is easier because I, I come at it from like a really, it's not like, cause obviously like you vibe with certain people like there are there are in my head already I'm like thinking of three or four people that I really like and like if they don't make it through to the end of the process I'll be quite upset because I think I like them I'm like they would do well here culturally they're great um their mindset's fantastic they seem very skilled etc but I think objectively speaking like the end of this is like we want this result right like we want to bring x amount of people we want to hire X amount of salespeople because we want them to achieve this result so that we can get closer to this result. And if they are not the right people to do that, I'm okay. Like, it's fine. You know, it's just not a good fit. They could be a great person. Um, and I always say like something that I always say to people that I particularly liked, but maybe didn't perform as well or weren't the best fit for that specific position Something that I say to them is I'll typically give them feedback. So I'll be like, this isn't for everyone. It's just people that I genuinely liked and got on with and thought, okay, they are really skilled. Um, I'll send them over an email being like, hey, like, I'm very sorry to like inform you that, you know, we won't be moving forward at this stage. Um, Here is some feedback. It might be like, we felt like, you know, in the skills assessment part of the interview process, you didn't perform as highly as some of the other people. So, you know, go out, get experience, like, you know, follow our social media, like to, you know, hear what we're talking about and like take on like little nuggets that we give our audience. And then maybe, you know, like we're constantly growing. Like there are so many opportunities here, like maybe in the future, you never know, like stay tuned type thing. Or, um, and this has happened a few times, There are people that come in, and this is typically with sales, they come in for sales, and I'm like, this person would be a great coach. This person would be a really, really good coach. So I ask them, I'm like, we will be looking to, we are constantly looking to expand our coaching team because volume, like our coaches are capped at a certain number of clients. And when they start to get close to that, we start hiring. Um, Is that something that is of interest to you? If so, I will keep you on file. And I make a note in my like hiring database, like potential coach, so that when we do go out to look for a coach or another salesperson, I already have a bank of people that I can go to and be like, I've spoken to you already. Like I've done the initial filtering and stuff. Let's do this part of the assessment that you didn't do well in last time where I still need to see. Let's go from there. Um, So that's something that makes it, pardon? Yeah, no, I was going to say that's important as well because you don't just give them the job. Oh, right? no, no, no. They no, still no. have to apply. Just like how if anyone internally on our team, let's say we're hiring for sales or we're hiring for a new client success director role or we're hiring for like a new CMO role, like we don't just give the job to someone. We'll still let other people apply. They can apply too and we'll bear in our mind what we know, but they still yeah. apply because you pick the best person for the best role. Right, whatever the role is, the best person for that role has to go in there. And mm-hmm. what you do, Nora, is really smart, is keeping everybody on file. Because then, when we do need to hire more people, we can go back to them, um, and then we have like a pool to to go to, as well as our other resources that we use. 
Yeah, 100%. Like I interviewed someone for an ops manager position back in December, um, who was great. But like we decided for various reasons that like we were going to continue uh, with someone on our team supporting an ops and then my, myself moving to like COO. Um, so an ops director manager of that caliber was not necessary. We didn't need that at that point. Um, but he was lovely, lovely guy. Um, very, very skilled, very capable. And I said to him, like, can I keep you on file for potential opportunities that I feel like you would be a good fit for? He's applied for the sales role and he's made it through to like past skills check. So you never know. Love it. That's really cool. So yeah, I think like one of the big things that you've said here is just, you know, when you're building a, a company that people want to come and work for, then like the actual pool of candidates isn't the issue. It then becomes the filtering process. Just like how when you have an offer in your business, then you're not going to have an issue with leads. You're going to have an issue with actually converting those leads, right? Mm -hmm. Fulfilling to those leads. And so when it comes to, okay, so they've been through this phase. Um, after this interview, we then take them into the skills assessment type of thing, which, you know, if you give someone a project to do, like when we were hiring coaches, you know, you give them more of like a case study so that then they can go ahead and say what they would do with that client. But with salespeople, given that you need to think like so, so much on your feet and it's pretty, you know, it's pretty um, sometimes high pressure, high stakes, because maybe you're talking to five different leads at once and they're all on the final phase and you're negotiating price with every single one of them. Because if you're closing in the DMs, you need to be on top of all of them. You didn't want to go ahead and just let them have like 24 hours to do this. So you came up with a very unique strategy. Um, I don't think we necessarily need to share like all of the, the different questions because it's it's kind of difficult because this is a conversational type of thing. So we right. can't list out exactly what every combo said. But do you want to go ahead and share what you had people do and also what you were doing while you were on this call with them? So like basically what I did is um, we devised... Um, a test whereby we wanted to see, because we have created um, a very unique system whereby we can sell in the DMs and we can sell high ticket in the DMs. And that is primarily how we sell. Um, that was important to check how do they message? How do they speak to prospects? How do they objection handle? So what we did is we devised a task um, of, I would say like five or six different conversations based on ones that we've actually had tweaked, refined so that they made sense for the purpose of the assessment. Um, and we had them reply. So it was prospect message blank, prospect message blank, prospect message blank, new conversation, and then repeat. And it was like five or six different conversations. Now, the important part of this is I didn't actually get on a call. Um, with them that was something that we had discussed but for the reasons which I will get into now I decided I was going to do it this way so I emailed at nine in the morning I emailed instructions to everyone who had made it to this page it's very clear instructions color-coded highlighted like you cannot get this wrong type thing I made sure of that and the instructions were, okay, so the assessment is going to be sent at 3 p.m. or 2.30 p.m. UK time, let's say 3 p.m., 3 p.m. UK time. You will click on where it says to click and you will be asked to make a copy of this document. The document must be titled in the following format, 
last name, surname, date, and then that was it. Um, you have 20 minutes to complete this assessment. If it is not in my inbox at 3.20, you will not be looked at. And that was very, again, highlighted in red, like in red, 3.20 is your deadline. If I have to request access to your document, if you have not given me editable, editable, not shareable, editable access, I will not be looking at you. And I sent those instructions hours ahead at nine. So I'm like, I'm sending this to you so that you know exactly what to expect, exactly what you need to do, and you're not stressed. You can focus on the assessment. This is me being nice. Nine, nine, uh, 3 p.m., I'm there. Send the email, right? Um, and then I get a few at 3.20, um, and then I get some at 3.21, which just pissed me off. Cause I'm like, if you're not there at 3.19, you know, like about to, there's an issue. Um, and I had some that didn't send me an editable link, which again, just annoyed me. Um, but that is in and of itself, that is like is such a good way to filter people. Like, can, can you follow instruction? Can you follow direct clear? I'm not being vague here. Can you follow clear instruction? And can you meet deadlines? And like, I didn't expect everyone to finish the actual assessment. Like it's hard. Like, I don't think I could, maybe I could, but like, I've been doing this for years. Like someone who doesn't know the process and the systems and who doesn't DM and who hasn't DM'd historically would find this hard. Like that was the purpose. The purpose was not finish it and send it to me late. It was get through as much as you can and send it to me on time type thing. So it was like, how do they prioritize, you know, like what would they rather do? Are they okay with not meeting deadlines? Like, is that something that to them is like fine? Like they're just gonna get by like that. Um, it's not at this company. So those people, I will not be, you know, pushing through to the next stage. So that's really, really um, important. Yep, I love it. That's great. And so basically, at this stage, if you know, you aren't selling in DMs, if you don't have that system yet, obviously, at this point, you need to figure out what's going to be best for, for your business. We have some clients who um, only take sales calls, that's what they want, that's what they like. So then they do basically a, a challenge and a task based upon that. Maybe this is more extensive objection handling. Maybe it's that they need to close you, whatever. And so then after this skills test, the people that move on to the next phase more, um, obviously this filters out a good number of people. And you're not just looking for the skill, but you're also looking for their ability to work cohesively as a team. Because sometimes, especially when you're hiring salespeople, they don't want to handle operational stuff. But, you know, if they want to actually make a lot of money, they need to be able to manage their pipeline. Right. And so if they can't be organized and if they can't get things to people on the right times, then they're never going to be able to handle prospects. And they're just going to be people who are just expecting more inbound leads all the time, which don't get me wrong. We have thousands of those, but you've got to work your pipeline as well and come up with creative ideas and ways to do that. So after this phase, what then happens next? So after this phase will typically be, I mean, this is kind of like a little bit looser in terms of um, like how I conduct this. Like there are some people who clearly demonstrate an apt for sales during this skills check. And there are various things that they, that they say the way that they objection handle where I'm like, this person knows what they're doing. Like they've had experience. It's just a matter of like, 
giving them um, an insight into like how we do things and so how we handle certain situations so, so, so that they are aware, okay, like this is how this company does it. Um, so there are a few people that like, I will just, I will push through to final interview at this stage because they have demonstrated via all the kind of checkpoints to date that they are capable. And now it's just a matter of like, um, does Lauren agree? which again is very, very important because Lauren's background in sales is far more extensive than mine. And that is a strength for her versus for me, it's just something that like I can do and I can do well, but it's not, it's not my thing. Um, so there are a few people that will just push through to um, final interview. The ones where I'm like, it's not a no, but like, I need more. Like I need to see more. And there are a few of those. Um, I will push through to, skills check part two <laughs> which will typically be objection handling so like the most dreaded part of sales um on a phone call with either myself or um someone from our team not lauren someone else from our team so it will be 15 20 minutes quite brutal just objection handling throwing objection after objection seeing how they navigate that and seeing how they conduct themselves um are they visibly sweating on the call? Like, are they stressed? You know, are they like really chill? Is this, is this comfortable for them? Um, so those are typically the things that we'll look for. And then from there, okay, like, do we think that this person is skilled? That's like the main thing at this point. It's, am I confident at this point that this person can come in and can close for us and is passionate about what we do, which will allow them to close better? Or with more ease. Um, if so, they'll push through to a final interview with me and Lauren. And then after that, Lauren and I will sit down and like, I typically say very little on those calls because I already had my time with this person. It's more so like Lauren's space to like ask what she wants to ask, test anything that she feels hasn't been tested. I'll brief her before that call. And then I observe how this person interacts with her, which again is key for reasons that I've mentioned previously. At the end of that, we'll reconvene and like, I'll let Lauren start and tell me what she thinks. And then I'll give her what, what I've seen on my side. And from there we'll decide, okay, is this, is, is this someone who we wanna make an offer to? If so, I'll go and draft up offer letter, et cetera. We'll get an agreement sent over to them. And then we go from there. Mm, it's great. And then the biggest thing is at this stage is that Noor doesn't share with me her opinions on these okay. people because I have to ask, feel that for myself so yeah. I don't want my mind to be swayed in any way it's like I know that Noor's opinion is like pretty much always accurate and so I don't want to then have that in the back of my mind because then if I think that someone's like really really terrible that Noor thinks is good we need to have a conversation about that and have an understanding as to what went wrong in the process whereby this person got through to that phase and then right. yeah I mean after that then it comes down to ensuring that you don't just let this person loose on your entire CRM right away you know, they obviously have to have signed the agreement, but not only that, making sure that then you ease them, you, you onboard them properly, and then you overwhelm them in that first week or so, the first few weeks, so that then you can see if they can cope under the pressure, and then from there, they can get started with their normal leads, pipeline, et cetera, et cetera, and then that's a whole different topic, and our sales process will do, we will do a podcast episode on this um, in the coming weeks, so make sure you 
are subscribed to Impact School podcast. And by the way, if this has been helpful so far, please share this with another entrepreneur that you know uh, that's maybe trying to build a sales team, make more sales, um, hire an in-house uh, sales team. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that they can build a commission-only team. And then when you build it for yourself, you know, you're going to be paying your sales team a, a much lower percentage than you would if you're outsourcing it. And because remember, if you're outsourcing sales to another company, they care more about your company. Sorry, they care more about their company than your company. Because when you outsource to an external sales team, they run a sales business. And so their aim is to make sales for their sales business. You are just a client of the sales business. You are not the main thing. Whereas when it's your own, you are the main thing and you own that. And then you have more commission to play with, to hire a better sales manager, to have more revenue in your company. We like to offer a guarantee to every single client we work with because we are the ones running our own sales team, which means that then we can actually shift some of the burden on the results to our client result team. So then we can pay them more, right? And it just works nicely for everyone. Mm-hmm. So that was fun, no? This was good. And obviously, if you guys share on social media, we always appreciate that. It's very, very kind. And tag me at Lauren Tickner, tag Nor at Norvi Barrage. Impact school is impact underscore school. No, did I miss anything? No, um, I think I think we covered everything. Yeah, and the biggest mistake, as I said, was outsourcing sales. But as well as that, like in the past, like years ago, what I used to do is we'd go on a hiring spree and would just hire like 30 salespeople in one go and see who was good enough to make it to the end. But mm-hmm. training all of them, vetting everything, oh my gosh, not worth the headache. Do this first, you're gonna get way better results. And uh, yeah, now we're on this next cycle of this and that's because it, it works so, so well. So we look forward to hearing your results.